A reading from 2 Corinthians. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our bodies. For while we live, we are always being given up to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may be made visible in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. So we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. Hi, everybody. A couple of weeks ago, in a little piece in Time magazine, theologian N.T. Wright suggested that the most helpful response for people of religious faith in this time of global pandemic might be found in the biblical tradition of lament. He went so far as to say that instead of seeing our faith calling us to explain what God is up to in all of this and why, that our Christian calling is to not be able to explain, to not pretend that we have God and why things happen all figured out, and instead to lament. I read that, and I thought it made a lot of sense. A day or two later, the Cransons emailed that same article to me because it seemed on target to them, too. Pastor Josh saw it, we talked about it, and we decided it was worth taking a few Sundays this May to dig into it in our worship, and to do so in a way that engages you, inviting you to practice and know the blessing of that deep biblical tradition of lament. Part of the problem, you see, is that when it comes to the spiritual practice of lament, we North American Christians are pretty badly out of shape. We just haven't done it very much. We haven't felt the need to. Some of you may not even know what it means exactly to lament. Maybe Rob Gronkowski can take a year off from football and then get right back into it, but when it comes to lamenting, for most of us, it would be more like Carl Yastrzemski running to first base on Old Timer's Day. We're just way out of shape and out of practice. Let's face it, when you feel basically blessed in life, when you experience overall goodness and safety and contentment, as most of us in this part of the world do, you get far more practice in turning to God with praise and thanksgiving. And our occasional appeals for God's help are 
not always, but mostly for more minor and transient concerns, or for God just to give us the strength to solve our own problems. But now, suddenly, even for us, the world isn't such a friendly and comfortable place anymore. We find ourselves in the strange situation of not being in control of so much, not seeing a clear way forward, overwhelmed by the presence of chaos, suffering, and especially death, and the potential for more of it if we don't get this right. So painfully aware of our human vulnerability, and not only to a new and deadly virus, but to store shelves emptied of toilet paper and pork chops, and deepening worries about when paychecks might stop coming if they haven't already, and even if ours doesn't, well, what's going to happen when most other people's do? When people hurt physically, they cry out in pain. But when they hurt religiously or spiritually, it's time to cry out and lament. Now, the best definition that I found for lament is to call it a loud religious ouch. And that's why to begin this series of sermons on lament, we asked you to tell us what your ouch is. We asked, what's been hardest for you during this pandemic lockdown? Maybe you didn't know that we were asking you to lament, but lament you did. We received about 15 responses, most of them Facebook comments, a few emails, one video. Those responses fall into three general categories. First, there were several for whom the greatest ouch was found in being separated from people they love unable to hold and hug grandchildren, unable to spend time with friends, to just commiserate with co-workers around the water cooler, unable to get together at church, unable even to complain about six-verse hymns. All right, I made up that last part. A second group of responses focused on the frustration that comes from just feeling so powerless of seeing so much need and pain around and not being able to do anything but sit home and watch. Wanting to shop for others, perhaps, but knowing that you're among those who should have others shop for you. Or wanting to help in a variety of ways, but knowing that the most helpful thing to do right now is just sit tight. That spiritual ouch for example, is why the cooler outside Lawson Hall is overflowing with face masks these days, why so much money was given to help feed Dismas Farm. People want to do something to help. And it hurts when the only ways to help are so limited and so impersonal and so lacking in human touch. And then a third group were worried about what all of this would mean for the future about whether little ones would grow up afraid of physical closeness, or how many more people might die from this disease, whether it might come back. Among those third level of responses was this brief video response from the Demersians. In answering this week's question as to what is the 
Greatest hardship during this pandemic? I would say it's right now and the uncertainty of what this summer will hold. In the beginning, we enjoyed family time that we don't usually experience, games, puzzles, dinners, but now we're starting to really be concerned about when will the kids get out and play their sports and go to their summer camps and what will the fall hold for our son who's a freshman heading off to college. So I would say the uncertainty is what we're experiencing now as our greatest hardship. So while you maybe didn't realize it, you were practicing how to lament, or at least the first part of what makes up a traditional biblical lamentation. Because most laments in the Bible have three distinct parts, naming the ouch, as we've done this morning, then giving voice to what's hard, that's just the first part. A simple three-part description of a full lament is that it contains protest, petition, and praise. And it's best to think of those three as a process or a spiritual progression more than separate acts. A lament begins with a stated problem, the protest, a concern, a hard thing, an ouch that's brought honestly to God. Just as Jesus in last week's gospel asked those two travelers on the Emmaus road to tell him the hard facts of their last three days, lament begins with that kind of truth-telling. But then it moves on to an appeal for God to act, to do something, even if it's just to end the silence, come out of the shadows, and show God's holy face. Lament then moves from protest to petition, from complaint to asking God to do something about it. And that's not so much proposing or suggesting a solution that we would prefer, because the problem we face in lament is so far beyond our solving. It's more just pleading with God to do anything within God's almighty power to help us. And then, after we've moved from protest to petition, a classic biblical lament will end with praise. With a recitation of the ways that God has acted in the past when things had gone just as horribly wrong, either for us or for our forebears. It's kind of like saying to a good and trusted friend, I know that I can count on you now because I remember how you drove all night to be with me when my mother died. Or how you stood up for me when the other kids were picking on me. Or because I heard about the time you once drove a sick friend week after week to get their cancer treatments. See, lament ends in praise because from beginning to end, it is an act of faith, an act of trust in a God that the lamenter knows is on their side and loves them, even when things don't look so good for God in the present. Even that opening protest, that opening ouch, is rooted in faith. The reason why we asked what's hardest for you instead of what do you want to complain to God about today is that you would tell us what's hard, but when it comes to complaining to God, you might think, I really shouldn't do that. I mean, if I complain to God, doesn't that mean I'm losing my faith? 
But in the Bible, faith is the trusting of our entire selves to God, including those times when we do experience God's absence, when we are perplexed by what's going on, when we feel alone and confused, even when we doubt. Even St. Paul in today's scripture reading tells us that he was perplexed, but not driven to despair. Because in despair, we give up on our relationship with God. But doubt, as Bishop Hazelwood reminded us two weeks ago, is more a sign that our faith is alive and kicking. So from beginning to end, from protest to petition to praise, lament is not a failure of faith or even a crisis of faith, but instead a deep and profound act of faith. We cry out directly to God because deep down we know that our relationship to God counts. It counts to us and it counts to God. Even if under the circumstances we're in, we do not experience the closeness, we believe that God is nigh and does care. Lament is an act of faith in all three of its parts. But for today, and even for next Sunday, we're going to focus on the ouch, because lament begins with the ouch, the hard truth, the telling God, even complaining to God about what hurts, what's not right, what doesn't seem to fit with our understanding and experience of God and God's will. The protest, the ouch part of a lament is not only about something that's happened, but about that added pain of not understanding why it has happened, if the God that we have is as good and loving as we'd always known and understood and experienced God to be. To use the image that Paul also used in his 2 Corinthians passage, the ouch is an expression of the brokenness of our clay jar, the fragile human life in a broken and hurting world that despite its frailty still contains the treasure of the light of Christ that shines within us. Twice, Paul says, despite having suffered imprisonment, beatings, and persecution from enemies, and criticism, contempt, and critique from supposed friends, twice, he says, we do not lose heart. We are afflicted, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. And why? Because hard as his days had become, Paul could still consider all of it to be just a slight momentary affliction that was getting him ready for an eternal weight of glory beyond measure. He knew that what he was seeing, what was going on, was temporary and transient, and that this too shall pass. But what he couldn't see in that present darkness, but nevertheless was able to hang on to, was what he knew to be eternal and true, and the balance between them wasn't even close. Likewise, in our search for meaning in these present circumstances, it's tempting to look for cheap and easy answers. But lament teaches us that there are indeed things that we just do not understand. In fact, that we cannot understand. 
and there are times when we can do no more than speak our pain and confusion to God and should do no less. My friends, God does not say do not fear because you can understand everything and I'm going to give you all the answers. God in the risen Jesus instead says, do not fear for I am with you and will never let you go. Amen.